Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, Love Tribe? Welcome to ID Podcast. If you've listened to us before, welcome back. And if you are new here, thank you so much for joining us. 
Here at I Do Podcast, we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. We're here to help give you the tools to succeed. On today's show, we welcome Eric Newton, and Eric has a website, together.guide. He also has a podcast and a magazine that's all about helping people improve their relationships. And Eric has a really unique perspective as a former family law attorney, and he describes himself as an attorney who's gone through a thousand divorces and still believes in love. So he has a really unique perspective that he's bringing to his uh, his new work and helping people improve their relationships. And he brought a lot of great information to today's show. Um, we kind of talked about conflict and why we fight with the ones we love. And he told a really neat story in the middle of the podcast about a couple he interviewed who had this really cool tool. They had a mission statement for their relationship. And every morning they read that mission statement to each other. So it what it kind of did is it just allowed them to get on the same page and check in with their partner and to remember that no matter what was going on in the relationship, they have sort of a reason for being together and working towards something bigger and better than just themselves as individuals. So Sarah and I really like that. And I think we got to write a relationship uh, mission statement for our own relationship. And I would encourage you guys to do it. So take a listen for that. And we hope you're enjoying the tunes coming in at the start of the podcast from the hip abduction. Make sure you listen to the end of the today's show for the song Come Alive from their album Gold Under the Glow. We're trying to play a new song from the band during every show at the end. So hope you guys are enjoying that. And as always, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. It helps us to give you these episodes twice a week. Uh, And if you want to support us, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. Chase has set up, I think, about five different levels where you can choose to support us. There are different rewards and just different uh, things that we think you will enjoy as our listeners. So go ahead and check that out. You can support us for as little as $2 a month. I think Chase describes that as a cup of joe. So we appreciate that. Also, amazon.com. You can go to the links found on the show notes page, as well as the description of this podcast. When you click on that link, we get a small percentage from Amazon of what you buy. So Uh, It doesn't cost you anything, and it supports the show. It helps us get two episodes a week to you guys, so it helps cover cost and the cost of a babysitter sometimes. And lastly, audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. Every guest we have on the show recommends awesome books, and you can use your uh, free 30-day trial and free audiobook to get one of those books each month. So again, guys, we appreciate the support and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. I can't tell you how excited I am. This is this is fun. Well, we've given our listeners just a little overview of your work as a family law attorney. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Wow. That's, well, I 
that's the biggest question that there is, I suppose, for me. Uh, well, when my law firm went under, which it did a couple of years ago, I was left with, as you can imagine, when something so big as that goes down, uh, depression and anger, and I was really second-guessing myself and my value as a person, um, which for me was a very fruitful time. And when it passed, when when all of that 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 gray period passed, the depression passed, uh, I was left with this sense of of real freedom. Uh, I had this I, this this view of the world that I could really do anything that I wanted to do, but that I didn't have to do anything. And with that kind of freedom, I I spent some time just really thinking what I cared about. And for me, the theme to just nutshell it for you. The theme that had always driven me uh, when I was a divorce lawyer and when I looked back even farther in my, my life and everything I'd done, all my entrepreneurial ventures, all had to do with the human relationship dynamic in one way or another. I personally am just endlessly fascinated by how and why we come together and the process of doing that in a healthy way. And... Um, out of that passion arose the idea to launch a podcast in a magazine, and that's what I've done. So I've launched a podcast in an online magazine called Together, and it's all about relationships, and it's all about getting below the fluff, you know, getting below the social media PR that we all have about our relationships and getting down to what's really, really going on for people at the core of, their, of how they connect. So I'm passionate about it is the short answer. <laughs> yeah, and... It's kind of unique coming at from the the career background of a diverse, divorce attorney and then having the law firm go down and sort of that self-examination. I'm sure that gives you a super unique look at, at seeing all these marriages that, that have failed basically and working with, with the people firsthand of, of a perspective of what works and what doesn't in relationships. I, I think that's right. You know, seeing all those relationships end, some of them are were failures, I suppose, failures in the eye of the of the experiencer. Or in, but the seeing all those relationships end or fail gave me a lot of insight into what drives us to create distance with one another. And um, and I, you know, I still find that fascinating. I, I what I love about that is that it's fundamentally it's the fear that's present in those moments that causes us to create distance but it's also the fear that's the opportunity to create intimacy you know it's this delightfully double-edged sword in the human experience and i i love mining that one myself it's just such a deep vein yeah it's so interesting because to really experience deep intimacy it's a it is a scary thing um and you can sort of either choose to go down that path and and you'll reach a, a new high in a relationship or if, if it's just within yourself of examining yourself. But if you kind of choose not to, it doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is going to fail, but it's very surface level and there is not a whole lot of depth to it. So taking that leap, getting over that fear uh, can be a really valuable thing. Yeah, you know, it's both what you said that intimacy itself is scary. That's fascinating. 
but also fear, however it arises in all of the other ways that it does for all of us, is how we create intimacy. So it works in both directions. The intimacy itself, of course, is you know, the first fear you have to get through as you're saying, and you're so right. If you don't do it, you just skip along the surface. I mean, you can have a good relationship. There's plenty of people who don't want to go to these lengths to create depth. Uh, and I don't want to be too judgmental about it. But I will say that in the divorce context, fundamentally, when you get below the excuses and um, you know the reasons that we have on the surface, fundamentally what's going on is that we're all facing you know, we're all facing our existential dread in some sense. You know, we're all facing our aloneness and our imperfection and scapegoating our partners for it. I mean, really, really a fight at its core is lashing out at the person who's the closest to you because you are trying to be safe in this ironic and terribly ironic way. Uh, you know, and, and it's exploring that mechanism that is what then brings us together. I kind of want to zero in on that. You, you're talking about fighting in in your work as a divorce attorney, and and then certainly now, it's like, why do we fight the ones we love? It's like, well, if you, if you really love this person, it, it seems like the last thing you want to do. Yet, in in a lot of relationships, in ours included, it, I think it's almost a natural thing that two people going through the world are not going to just be all bliss and agree on everything and never fight. And I think it's the tools that you have to handle those fights is what's important. And so that it's not a reoccurring thing that there's no work being done. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it that, I mean, because that, like I said, I think that's where most of our opportunity is, is when we're feeling something very uncomfortable to to, to buckle down and explore it. And in the relationship context, that usually comes out, you know, conflict is inevitable with everybody. It's not, it's not, can you avoid conflict? It's how do you handle it, as you said, when it does arise. And then that conflict manifests in so many different ways. Some people fight outwardly. You know, some people withdraw and go to their corner, create distance. Some people go numb. You know, some people ignore it. There's all these different ways that we, we as human animals respond to conflict and the fear of conflict and uh, it, it, but getting you know honest about it feeling it in our bodies and then expressing it to our partners is is the first step to as we've already said creating intimacy but the question you're asking such a good one why do we fight with our partners you know and there's a lot of directions you can look at this one but my favorite is this notion that uh, when we get really intimate with somebody, there's two things going on. One, we've gotten below the armor that we put up with most people out in the world. You know, we all have our protective armor that, you know, our personalities, our personalities that make us look good and make us effective and make people like us, you know, the way of being that we have in the world. And when you get really intimate with somebody, that armor starts to come down by definition you can't avoid it when you're spending so much time with somebody. And because the armor is down, you're up close and personal with the tender bits that that armor is meant to protect. And, you know, just like 
just like an animal when the tender underbelly is exposed when some when an animal's backed into a corner we start to act out and the when the acting out occurs it's a it's a marker it's saying ha this is the place to look if you're acting out it's because you care about something because something feels important, you know, something is deep there and that's the place to look. Yeah. The acting out happened and and you can deal with it. You know, you can apologize and, and work through it. But the really interesting point is that you acted out for that reason. What was it about that thing that made you think you needed to protect yourself? And so you snapped or you went numb or you withdrew. That's where the juice is. I think what you're getting at and is this theme of in a relationship, it's really allows you, it's a reflection, your partner is a reflection on yourself because you're going to say, have these things that get under the armor and you have these reactions and there's a reason for that, like you said, and getting to what that reason is is really an introspective journey and, and it's going to give you that reflection to be like, why did I get so angry at that little thing? And there's an underlying thing and it can really teach us so much about ourselves. And it's important that we pay attention to that because moving forward in the relationship, you're going to you know, address that problem from the past that was causing you to act out and you learn more about yourself and then you move forward with your partner in a positive way. Yes, yes. And just as you said or or suggested, that experience of feeling threatened and then the resulting experience of discomfort and anger or numbness, that experience is yours and yours alone. You know, the this is where this is where people start to scapegoat their partners. It's very common to say you made me feel this way. You know, it's your fault. And it is true that our partners create input. You know, it is true that our partners bring new experiences to our lives. But the feelings that those experiences drive up, those are ours. They're ours and ours alone. And it's our, it's our sacred duty in a relationship. And it's our opportunity as human beings to understand those so that we can grow. And then this, And then this is where the relationship dynamic gets really exciting for me because though it's true that that experience is yours and yours alone, it's also true that you're in a relationship that's driving it up. And, and it's also true that you're driving up stuff for your partner whose experience is their experience and their experience alone. But it's this, it's this beautiful mirror where we are each driving up unresolved internal issues for one another. And then we can either run and duck for cover, you know, <laughs> which I think is what most of us do, me included, much of the time. Or we can face it head on and be there for one another to heal and grow up against. And it's such a, it's such a sacred opportunity. You know, that's really... That's, that's why I think of marriage as being so sacred because it's the quickest, most direct access to our personal growth, to our spiritual growth. 
I love that. Do you have any um, examples or tools for our listeners who want to be there for their partner, but just don't really quite know how to bring about a tough conversation or how to resolve an ongoing issue? You know, the best place to start is to always get out of our lizard brains. You know, the, the our, our amygdala, our fight or flight mechanism kicks in so quickly when we're threatened. You know, the, it's been said that the, the mind has a hard time distinguishing between uh, a physical threat and a conceptual threat or being hit physically or thinking about being hit. It lights up the same places in the brain. And when we feel threatened in relationships, you know, our animal mind kicks in and starts to take over, which is why we react in ways that we don't want to. We fight, we flight, or we freeze. And so when conflict arises, the very first thing, the very, very fundamental, most basic thing that everybody gets to work on is getting control of that animal mind and coming back to the rational human self, you know, the whole self. The animal mind is part of the whole self, but it's not the only part and it shouldn't be the part in control. And there are some nice techniques for doing that. You know, some work better for, you know, different people. What works very well for me is when I'm finding myself um, getting triggered or plugged in or unnecessarily angry at my partner, I'll just start to notice and to say to myself out out loud in my head what I'm feeling. Oh, that statement made me feel kind of kicked in the stomach. I I think I, I feel like a loser right now. That statement made me feel like a loser. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and then that statement made me I kind of felt a little numb in my left leg. I think I'm really scared, you know? And I just start naming it. And the more I name it, the more my rational mind starts to kick back in. And the more calm I become. And the more present I become. And what usually happens in that case is that I can turn and face my partner's anger or upset or sadness or whatever she's experiencing that's triggering me and allow it as opposed to resisting it. And that's where, uh, that's where the exploration starts. Does that answer your, your question? It does. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy to do. I feel like you really have to be aware of your partner and the conversation. Um, but it's definitely something to try and implement into practice. Cause I'm sure just like anything, you know, it takes practice to be able to, to do that. Oh, you said it. L- let me tell you, I've been writing about this stuff and reading about it and teaching it for so long and uh, still get tripped up. Uh, My partner and I had a, we had a tough summer. We had a couple of months where we were both feeling really resentful towards one another. And uh, Aubrey was traveling a lot and I was at home working on the Together Project and we didn't see each other very often. Whenever we did, it would spark into a fight and I couldn't really figure out why it was, you know, what was the resentment from and why were we so upset with each other? But we really couldn't get through more than a couple sentences without bickering at each other. And I just, I had forgotten about this tool, to tell you the truth. And I was telling a friend about the loop we were stuck in. And she said, oh, duh, Eric, use your own tool. (laughs) It's so funny. You just need those reminders. So... Uh, so I did, you know, we were, we were on a walk with the dog and she said something, I don't even remember what she said, but I just felt literally kicked in the stomach and I started to react. I just, I was, it was on the verge. I was, it was on the tip of my tongue to say something snarky 
And I remembered my friend Jessica saying, just feel it. Just stop and feel it. And I did. I just stopped. I didn't say anything. I just felt it. And Aubrey didn't know any, notice anything. So she kept talking. And she was kind of triggered. So she wasn't saying things in the most responsible or elegant ways. But instead of reacting to them, I just kept feeling them and saying to myself what I was feeling and feeling more. And you know, by the end, it took about 15 minutes for her to say everything that she needed to. But at the end of the 15 minutes, she had gotten to say everything that she had been wanting to, but felt like she couldn't because I would always get reactive. And, uh, and as a result of that, she just felt relaxed, you know, complete, done. She didn't have anything more to say. And I noticed that the feelings were all made up. They were all in my head. They were all mine. None of them mattered. And in fact, I wanted my partner to be able to say what she needed to say. It was actually really useful for us that she got to say those things. I think that's I think that's an awesome tool and example for our listeners. And it almost is something similar to what Chase and I do, um, which is we if we're in a heated argument and we feel that or one of us feels that it's not going to be a successful conversation if we continue it, we kind of say yellow light and it kind of is a break for both of us and it allows us to come back to the conversation kind of um, less stressed about it, you know, able to think about what we're going to say and allows us to communicate so much better. That's That sounds like one of the classic tools. So when you say yellow light, then you're able, then you take a break basically from the conversation and you go to your separate places and calm down. Yeah. Jonathan Robinson was a guest and he actually, uh, that's what, uh, he did with his wife and he recommended, which is, it's interesting how Jonathan Robinson relationship expert, been doing it 20 years yourself, uh, now in this space. And then us, we're all quote unquote experts in the field and, and, or at least trying to be in, it still requires so much work. It's like you said, your friend reminded you like, hey, use use the tools that, that you know how to use. But that's just the point of it's kind of why we do this podcast for ourselves and for our listeners, because we always can use a reminder like constantly because these things, they're not innately built into us. Like we have to consciously think about them get the tools and resources so that we can implement them and then we may even know and in the moment our our lizard brain like you said kind of takes over and it it's the more you practice not giving into that and the more tools you have the better you're going to be and not going down a a path towards conflict yeah i love the acknowledgement that it's just you're never perfect you know it's like it's almost like you can't have a game without rules or or limits you know if it's unlimited and 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 you have no rules it's not fun and in a relationship you can't you know we don't get to be humans without having we're, we're defined by our limits and our boundaries and one of them is that you know we're fundamentally scared <laughs> and that fear is going to come out in all of these different ways but they're all every one of them is an opportunity and um, it's it's not that it ever goes away. Like you said at the very beginning, it's it's not that you stop being upset or scared or have difficulties. It's what do you do with them when they do arise? Yeah, and I think that's just the more tools you have to deal with it, 
the better off you're going to be and then practicing it. And I just, I like to stress to our listeners, it's not easy. And, and here we are, we have this relationship podcast and we are kind of giving advice sometimes and certainly trying to get advice from, from people like you. And it's at the forefront of our lives pretty much every day. Yet we still run into these hurdles that we have conflict, we have silly arguments. And I think that's, you want to accept that, but you not, don't accept that as a norm and always be trying to, to work on that and make it better. And it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. And there, and there's two bits to it. You know, there's the tools themselves. There's the, the things that you can do, like the little, uh, you know, the calming your lizard brain down and the yellow light concepts. And those are great. And then there's also the bigger perspective, you know, the framework for the whole thing. And there, there are so many great frameworks for it. There's, you know, the Christian framework for it. There's, um, you know, there's Harville Hendricks' Imago framework for it, where you're coming together to grow spiritually. Uh, there, there's so many ways to look at why we come together. But I really invite couples to choose a framework that inspires them for why they're together, because then, you know, then when those moments arise, there's a a bigger universe within which to use those tools because sometimes the tools don't work, you know, sometimes the tools don't and then what? And I I think if you have a bigger framework and, and you realize that, Oh, we're in this for our, you know, we're in this for something that's bigger than this fight. Then you make up tools on the fly. You know, you make up, yeah, I've talked to so many couples about this stuff. You know, I, I interview couples too, just like you guys do. And, uh, or, I, or I interview couples, you guys interview experts, I think. And I've talked to these older couples and they've all figured out the, the tools that we use and you read in the books and that the experts talk about, they've all figured them out without having read them. You know, they just figured them out on the fly in the moment because they were committed to this bigger thing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so what would be an example of, uh, Obviously, it's going to be different for every couple, but like maybe a, a more universal example for a bigger thing that a couple can come together on. Well, I was talking to a couple on the show that told me that they have an actual mission statement and they sit down and I think they might read it to each other each morning. And for them, it's something like we're committed to one another's personal growth and uh, the emotional healing of the planet or something. They have a really big agenda that they're playing for the whole planet. And their marriage is an expression of that. Um, I've talked to a, there, and then I had another couple on the show that uh, for them it was all about sexual self-expression. Um, their relationship was about full unbridled sexual self-expression and what that means for their spiritual growth. And uh, so whenever they would have a fight, they would say, well, okay, is this, you know, you might be right or I might be right and you might be really angry and have a, an agenda here, but does it serve the higher purpose that we've named for ourselves? Um, and, and if it does or doesn't, that's how you kind of answer the issue in the moment. And for me, uh, you know, the, the lens through which I look at the world, the, the lens that I'm always excited about is this question of what's true. And, uh, for me, it's about coming closer to truth with with each breath and uh, each action and each relationship. And so, 
with Aubrey, it's about experiencing truth. And the more I personally surrender to experiencing the truth, the more joyful I become and the less attached I become to my own stupid agenda. You know, my little petty things that I think I need in this world to be safe, to be right, to be a strong enough man, you know, all that stuff. It's just, it's so silly. And and the fights that we have are usually about something pretty silly. And when I stop and reflect on, oh, you know, for me, it's about experiencing truth through this relationship. Then, then I, I don't really care so much about, is sh- should I be making more money or, you know, did I, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I, I love those examples of the, and sort of the exercise of creating a higher goal for the relationship and then revisiting that when there's conflict or like the couple you interviewed having a mission statement that basically translating that into a mission statement for the relationship. I think that's a, that's a good thing because same reason that a company has a mission statement. It's it's so that they stay true to their values and true to, to what that company stands for. And, and the relationship is more important than, than any business mission statement. And so if you sort of put that down, even put it on paper, say it to your partner every morning. I think that's a great exercise. Yeah, it, it really was sweet the way that they did it. They they read it out loud to one another on the show. And um, they, they, of course, haven't memorized. They've been married so long. And it was really sweet to hear them say it. You know, I, I and I don't think it matters so much what your mission statement is so long as you both are energized by it. You know, it inspires the two of you, then it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I would encourage, I know, I think Sarah and I are going to write a mission statement here. I think we should. And, uh, yeah, it's just like something you can revisit to, to be like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, like, cause when you first fall in love and, and all those, it's all great and you got all the chemicals flowing and then it settles in and life gets crazy and you sort of lose track of, especially in an argument, like you said, it's like some silly argument. You lose track of what the relationship stands for. So, Yeah, what are we doing here, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, what are I'm, we doing? I'm excited. I know it'll be cool to do a framework. We haven't done that before, and that's the first time I've heard this. So I think that's awesome advice. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy that made a difference. You know, I will say one one issue around that is is you've got to remember that they that are things are in flux you know your desires and your your mission will change over time so you've got to allow it to do that um, a lot of couples will unconsciously get into a mission that is limited in time by its by its definition like we're here to raise the kids um, is one that a lot of couples get into to save their marriage without doing it proactively they just sort of land in that and that's got a time limit to it. So you see a lot of couples divorcing when that uh, plays itself out and then they don't replace it with something. So uh, so I would just say do it because it's fun. And remember, it's gotta, you've got to allow it to have flexibility and fluidity and uh, try to pick things that are more universal than time limited. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's so true. I mean, it, you can have a, a general one, but don't be strict like hey this is our mission statement we made five years ago 
and then we're sticking to it. You know, it we change, people change, the relationship is going to change, and that's a good thing. Otherwise, it'd be pretty boring, right? <laughs> we just, yeah. you know, it's the same thing all the time. And uh, yeah, I think you got to be fluid with with that statement. It's good and it's inevitable. So you know, why bark against a rising tide? You are going to change. And in fact, when you break down the concept of trust, you know, a lot of people talk about trust is so important to the relationship. It is. But one of the core elements of it is that, you know, the thing that people always talk about with trust is that you can be counted on to do what you said or what you're supposed to be doing. But the other element of it is that you communicate changes because they're inevitable. And when you communicate a change honestly and vulnerably, you engender more trust because your partner realizes that you're being authentic, that you're human, and that you're willing to work through that with them. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping those communication lines open and making that mission statement, changing that mission statement together, you know, right. on the same page in in an agreement. You know, I don't have one partner's probably going to have a different idea of what they want for the relationship than the other, and that's a also makes it a good exercise of getting on the same page. Yes. Also, by definition, you definitely have different things that you want, but they come together if you allow them to, if you do it genuinely and honestly um, in your communication about what you each want. They tend to come together in a way that's greater than the sum of the parts. You know, it's the differences that make up the strengths, actually. That's the great thing about being in a in a healthy relationship. It'd be boring just by yourself or it kind of goes on this the lines of having some a partner that has different uh that's different than you. You know, so many myself included, I used to always think I I wanted to date someone and be with someone that was had all my similar beliefs and, and right. likes and certainly you you want to have some things in common, but uh not everything because then you're dating yourself and that's pretty boring. <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, core values are great, you know, and that's what the mission statement exercise is all about is getting to a sense of what your core values are that you that you jointly share. But, you know, you just can't match up on everything. In fact, the the literature on sexual compatibility seems to say that nobody is a match sexually. You know, no matter how much you may have conned yourself into thinking that you are, actually you're pretty different. And it's not about being the same with regards to sexual tastes. It's about, you know, giving one another freedom to explore it and a safe place to explore it so you can learn about yourself and, and have that passion. And that goes for more than just sex. It goes for everything, for all, all, all of your intimacy in your relationship. We're, so, we're dynamic creatures. We're not going to be exactly the same. Amen to that. I love all that stuff. We're going to get our mission statement together. I encourage our listeners to. And now we got to move on to the lasting love round. Oh, great. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Uh, meditate. <laughs> meditate. That's it. Sit quietly and allow the universe to be exactly as it is. And yeah. that's when you'll know your fears are fantasy. Yeah, that's important. We just had Dr. Deborah Campbell on and we talked about mindfulness and and us in this interview talking about fighting earlier in the yellow light. Meditation is such an important and, uh, tool to help you be mindful and be in the moment in the relationship and avoid those conflicts. To allow, you know, just to allow, just allow the world to be as it is. You know, all the suffering comes when we start trying to change it, <laughs> which is okay. But sometimes there's just peace and allowing. 
Yeah, and I would encourage our listeners, we won't get too much into meditation, but uh, an app that I found really helpful was Headspace app, and they have uh, like a free 10-day uh, or a 10-course sort of medit- guided meditation. It's super simple. Check that out, and uh, it's a good way to to sort of dip your toes into meditation if you haven't if you haven't already. Oh wow, that's great! I'd never heard of it before. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships? Oh, for sure. So, well, even just in this talk, we referenced two of my favorites. Uh, the first is "Getting the Love You Want" by Harville Hendricks, and he's created the. Um, the uh, Imago uh, couples relationship uh, process, I guess you would call it school. And it is, it is seminal, groundbreaking, a classic in the world of couples therapy. Uh, and it's all about using these conflicts to deepen and to grow, just as we've been discussing. And then the second book is Your Brain on Sex by Stan Siegel. It's edgy, it's groundbreaking. And it's a way to look at your, uh, your really honestly look at your sexual desire and use that as a way to deepen and to grow personally. We will be sure to add both of those books to your show notes page so our listeners oh, can check those out. We've been married for almost two years now. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? Uh, yeah, definitely. Change is inevitable. Um, buyer's remorse is common. And the there's a transition that many people can't get past, which is this uh, transition from the sort of dopamine serotonin phase, which a lot of people refer to as the honeymoon phase, to the oxytocin phase, which is a deepening of intimacy, but also comes along with sometimes a drop in sexual passion. It's hard to get through. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. It's coming. On the other side of it is a kind of intimacy that you didn't know was possible before. And, um, you know, I invite you to remember that that's, that that deeper intimacy than you've ever known is available. And, you know, this usually this transition usually starts to kick in or so the research says around year three of the marriage. So you're probably coming up on a real change um, and don't be terrified by it. It's normal and it's good. Just curious, does that research take into effect how long someone dated before getting married? Like, for example, we were we dated for six years before we got married. Does that... You know, I think it has to. Nobody's yeah. ever given me... A, I've asked the same question. I've never gotten a definitive answer. Um, but I think it has to do with how long you're, you're together and creating intimacy. Now, there is a shift, as we all know, when you get married. Something is different. Uh, and it maybe kicks in the dopamine and serotonin again for a while. But if you've been together six years, I'm sure you faced it. Yeah. And like you said earlier in the interview, we're dynamic. So for, for each individual and each couple, these things will, will be different. It might happen. You might like fall madly in love in the first six months. It's crazy. Everything's amazing. And then it kind of disappears. And, and that might be the timing for that relationship. But, but, the cycle probably is something that appears in uh, in most relationships, regardless of the specific timeline. And it also gets kicked in by new parenthood. Are you guys? Yeah, you guys are new parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always referred to the first three years of parenting as the zombie years when I was a divorce lawyer, 
because you, you know you're you're not getting enough sleep, you're not having enough sex. You know, the baby is now the center of your lives and has become the new mission statement by default, and it pulls you off center with regards to your your relationship intimacy. Um, and a lot of people break up during that phase, but if you can get through it, and you can get through it consciously. You know, if you can get through it, not by going numb and just cracking a beer and watching TV to avoid the problems, but if you can get through it consciously, it'll come out stronger than ever and the sex will be better. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge and it sort of magnifies everything because you have less time, you have less sleep, like you said, and so to work all these things out in any relationship that is going to have these problems, but then you add add in a kid and it's just that much more stress. So if you don't have everything in line before or it's just going to magnify it. And that's why it's so important for any relationship, but certainly if you have kids to and new parents to, to have these tools in place. Yeah, totally. You know, there's another thing that always kicks in with kids. I'm wondering if you guys have faced this. It's this, I, this thing that occurs for people where you realize you've got this little life that you have to take care of. It's now, it's not a matter of happiness for you personally. It's a matter of life or death for this little baby. And so your ideas about parenting take on, they're not theoretical anymore. They take on this deep importance and that can lead to fights if you have differences in opinion about what should be done. And what's at root of that, I, I've always thought is beautiful. It's this extraordinary love for your child. Uh, but sometimes it manifests in these really scary ways. Have you guys bumped into any of those? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we almost daily, we're always talking about, you know, the Stella and the phases she's going through and how we're talking to her so that we shape her the right way. And we try to use the tools that we learn on the show for communicating uh, about her, you know, so it's, we can apply in a lot of what we talk about on this show. It's, it can be intimate relationships, but it can be business relationships. It can be relationships with your kids. A lot of the tools are the same thing. And, and that's, uh, we definitely try to uh, get on the same page, talk things out and, and not let it be a, a stress on our relationship. That's so great. You know, you two are really an inspiration. Blessings on both of you. <laughs> but it's not, thank you, but it's not easy. And, and you know, I, I always want to stress that uh, to our listeners. It's like, we're not, we're extremely happy, but it, it takes work, you know? We're not like, we don't wake up to sunshine and rainbows every day and just float on a cloud into the kitchen and I give Sarah a big kiss and, you know, I think... <laughs> it would be it would be easy for our listeners to be like, oh, this this young couple has this relationship podcast and they just got it all figured out. It's like, no, not really. And I think anyone that's telling you that they do is lying. You know, hey, amen. I agree. You know, yeah. but but that's why we love doing this and talking to people like you because it has improved our relationship and we want to give get these tools for ourselves and give them to others. But stressing that. uh it's not easy for us and it's not going to be easy for them, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the work that is it. I mean, it's the work that's the whole point. You know? It's yeah. Like, I love that you're acknowledging that. It's to, the world needs some transparency around this right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard work is delicious actually in a relationship. You know? Yeah. Well, one last question for you. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? 
Ah, you know, I actually just read an article about wrote an article about this um, called "Dear Single Person, You're Doing Nothing Wrong," and it has two points, which I'll tell you quickly. The first one is that if you're single and um, you're trying to fix yourself and you think something's wrong with you and that that's why you're single, um, there's nothing wrong. You're perfect. There may be some issues around the edges. Maybe your hygiene is an issue or your personal style. But if you're really asking, you've probably already figured that out. The issue is not uh, that you need to fundamentally change yourself. Uh, you're perfect as you are. The thing is to be yourself, and that's how you'll find a partner. Or that's how you'll be happy, which probably results in finding a partner. And finding a partner is kind of a statistical inevitability, too. You know, the research shows that 90% of Americans are married by, I don't even remember the age. You know, you're going to find somebody. So uh, relax. And then the second part is if you're trying to fill a hole in your identity by finding a partner, you're barking up the wrong tree. That hole doesn't get filled by a relationship. It gets filled by the personal inquiry. And all of us are lonely, even when we're in relationships. That's kind of the human experience. Um, It's also the poetry of being human, you know, facing the void. Facing our existential aloneness is where where all the juice is. Did that make sense or was that too ethereal? No, that was perfect. And I think we might need to have you come back on the show to have a full topic just on on that uh, area. (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, we really appreciate hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, that'd be great. So my website is together.guide, G-U-I-D-E. So together.guide is where we have the magazine and our podcast. And uh, from there, you can link to iTunes or any other podcast player you have. And I would love to hear from anybody. You know, reach out. We have a contact page, together.guide. Awesome. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links of today's show on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, Eric, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was lovely talking to you both. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. Say that you cannot
to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com